Today, from Mark chapter 2, Pastor Ray Bentley maps out the pathway to real joy. Jesus is going to make a point here that if you follow me as the Messiah and the Spirit of the Lord that is upon me, I will lead you to continuous joy. Unconditional love trusted becomes continual joy. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We'd all love to have continual joy, but often the things of this world at best offer temporary happiness. New cars get old, new clothes go out of style, friends will let us down. But today we'll see following Jesus and knowing him more intimately helps us find what we're looking for. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel according to John Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 27. The title of the message is Beautiful Mercy. How many of you love that God is merciful? And the throne upon which he sits is called the mercy seat. Isn't that better than the judgment seat? <laughs> He sits on a throne of mercy. There are times and there are seasons when um, he presses in to a people and to a generation to reveal himself, to bring specific clarity to his word. And the message of the hour is the love of our Father in heaven for us here upon the earth. His love for his bride. Uh, the nearness that we have to the wedding supper of the Lamb, that it's an hour and a time to prepare for the marriage of the Lamb. It is a time literally for the church, which is the bride. You know, I'm right now reading through the Bible. Many of you are with me reading through the Bible and I'm in the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus is the, the glorious story of God uh, lifting up and out and delivering his people from years of bondage and slavery and delivering them into the land that he had prepared for them, a land uh, flowing with milk and honey, the land of dreams and visions, a land uh, that is filled with the blessings of God. And I believe that we are living in, a, in an hour where we are going to experience our own exodus. <laughs> the bride of Christ is going to have an exodus and we're gonna be brought before the Lord, our heavenly bridegroom, and be married unto him, and the marriage supper of the Lamb and the kingdom of God from heaven is coming to the earth, even now. The time and the hour and the way is to prepare for him, amen? Uh, Mark chapter two, we left off uh, in verse 17, so we'll pick up in verse 18. It says, the disciples of John, so that would be the disciples of John the Baptist, and of the Pharisees were fasting. And then they came to him and said, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? 
And Jesus said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. So this is beautiful, as Jesus teaches us here about true spirituality. And as you notice here in your notes, Jesus says life for those who follow Christ is to be like a wedding feast. And uh, as I put here also in your notes, holiness and happiness go together. How many of you would like to be more happy in your life? Then be holy. (laughs) Holiness is happiness. Holiness leads to happiness. And we are so close to being with the Lord. And, And truly, you know, we don't know the day and the hour of his coming, but life is a vapor. You and I are one heartbeat away from being in heaven. We are one breath away. Uh, he holds us in his hand. And even if we live out our normal lives in this generation, how many have discovered time gets faster and faster the further down the road of life you go? It's like a vapor. It is uh, like the grass. It's here today and tomorrow is gone. Teach us, Moses said, to number our days. <laughs> have you noticed that you can't stop physically from getting older? Uh, you cannot stop or arrest your physical maturity. However, it is possible to stop emotionally <laughs> in your maturity. And we can stay as you know, adolescents, but the Lord wants us to grow into maturity in all things. So this is a very interesting time where now Jesus has already caused an earthquake spiritually in the little village really of Capernaum and the little fishing villages on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. He is teaching with authority. He is saying, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he describes it as if he had firsthand knowledge. He speaks of heavenly things, divine things. He reveals mysteries. And then as mysterious and powerful and anointed as his messages are, it is followed by signs and wonders and demonstrations of miracles and healings and of demons flying and fleeing away, acknowledging him. Even the spiritual realm acknowledges him. We know who you are. And he says, be still. I don't need your praise to give authentication to who I am. Um, So this has stirred everything up. And now there are some of the religious leaders who are following Jesus, but they're really more interested in trapping him. But here's what's interesting. Uh, Jesus is with his disciples. And (laughs) these are the earliest days of Jesus' ministry. And if I could paint a picture of contrast here. Even John the Baptist and his disciples are joining some of the scribes and Pharisees, the other religious Jewish leaders, and they are fasting to be spiritual. Now, there's obviously nothing wrong with fasting. And there are times and seasons when God calls us to uh, set aside food and spend that time waiting upon him and praying. But (laughs) when the Messiah is here, uh, when the, the miraculous and the revelation of God has come, and you want to be near him and with him, what was it like? The contrast that I want to describe is, what was it like to be one of Jesus' disciples? What was Jesus like? What was his demeanor? And I would suggest to you that uh, there was a lot of joy and a lot of happiness, a lot of smiling. Uh, How can you not see people healed and not be filled with joy? You know, men and women that were crippled and now walking and leaping and praising God. 
They were filled with joy and with happiness and they were excited and they were ecstatic and it was new and it was fresh and it was liberating and it was enjoyable. And I see Jesus everywhere he goes. He himself is smiling. He's opening uh, his heart to everyone and he gets invited to places uh, to come. He gets invitations to meals and he goes. He's hanging out with, and I would love to see Jesus' face. <laughs> And the contrast, because he enjoyed being surrounded by all kinds of sinners and nefarious characters. And I can almost imagine Jesus smiling because he knew that the power of his presence and of the spirit and the anointing upon him and his grace was melting hearts. Publicans, sinners, prostitutes, tax collectors were being pierced through all of their darkness and they were being won to the loving, gentle, winsome, joyful ways of Jesus. It was like a celebration being with Jesus. Now, John the Baptist himself was, a, you know, would you agree that John the Baptist, as we know of him in the Bible, was a pretty serious guy? He's calling people, repent, you, you bunch of snakes. It's hard to smile when you say that, <laughs> except when you're laughing like I am right now. You brood of vipers, who warned you of the wrath to come? Uh, he was, you know, preaching a passionate, fiery message. And, you know, he represents a, a time and a season and a place. That was the message and that was the demeanor that God used for him to prepare the way. But now the bridegroom had come. Now the lamb had come. And when the lamb of God came, he's smiling. When the Lamb of God came, he's bringing liberation, joy, freedom. He's breaking spells. He's breaking darkness. He's breaking chains. He is breaking the power of sin. He is breaking the power of death. He is breaking spiritual strongholds. He is bringing life and liberty and joy. The religious leaders had made religion, starting with what God had given in his word and the law, but then they would always add their own uh, interpretations and traditions on top of that. And finally, the people were so weighed down. They were so weighed down with how hard it was to be religious that people started to just give up and they just said, I quit. I can't do it anymore. It's too hard. This was never the, the intention of God's word his law, as we call it. We think of laws, and there is a legalism uh, that, that can be taken to a wrong extreme. But the law of God, as it was breathed and intended, were more like its truth to teach and to point the way. If you do this, you will be happy. If you do this, you will be blessed. If you do this, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. As a father training and teaching his sons and daughters, here's the path, I've gone before you, follow me, do as I do, be as I am, you are my sons and my daughters, and there's nothing in that, that is more in my heart than I want you to be the happiest children you can possibly be. So I've made a way for you. That's really what, when you read the, the law, of God, was the word of God, it was the, the path that God had laid out for the greatest amount of joy and happiness. But they had taken that and twisted it and turned it into something that was, uh, you know, religion can, can be a, a thing that people use to control people. Would you agree with that? And, and since we're dealing with fallen, broken human beings that are already guilty, how easy is that to manipulate people? 
and constantly put pressure upon them. You're not doing enough. You're not praying hard enough. You're not doing enough. You're not giving enough. You're not, and so manipulating people's guilt. And then the sad thing is we can get used to that guilt and the manipulation of our guilt and be doing things out of duty and out of obligation and still not really be doing it for the right reasons and yet resenting the things that we're doing. That's not what God had in mind. That's not what our Father had in mind. And therefore, I believe that Jesus came and he wanted to, even in this way, set the captives free. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country and also near to home. We have been listening to Pastor Ray for 25 years. He was always excited to preach about Jesus and couldn't wait to see him face to face. Now he is happy with the Lord with no more pain or sadness. Thank you for leading our family with your easy to understand sermons every week. May the Lord give comfort and strength to the Bentley family. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Apparently now, and I, I want to focus on some of John the Baptist's disciples who had followed him. He was out in the wilderness. He lived a very austere uh, life. And he had prepared the way for the Messiah. And I don't even think John, whose life was cut too short, could have anticipated uh, the joy, the happiness, the meals that Jesus was going to, uh, Jesus socializing with all these sinners and playing with the children openly and they loved him. And I think that some of John's disciples were a little bit shocked and scandalized by what Jesus was doing. Jesus is going to make a point here that if you follow me as the Messiah and the spirit of the Lord that is upon me, I will lead you to continuous joy. Unconditional love. In fact, if you have a pen or pencil, I want you to write this down. Unconditional love trusted becomes continual joy. Unconditional love. God loves you unconditionally. He just loves you because God is love. And the great, when we talk about you need to believe in God and you, yes, you must have faith. Yes, not just to believe and not just to know that God exists or even that Jesus is the Messiah, but a, a more accurate word in English would be trust. God is asking for you and I to trust him. Okay, Lord, I do believe in you. I want to trust in you. What is it you want me to trust you for? Here it is. Your Father in heaven is saying to you tonight, I want you to trust that I love you, that I am deeply, passionately in love with you, and I want to use all the power that I have as God to bless you for all of eternity. I want to use my omnipotence. I want to use my omniscience that I know everything, that I can do anything that I want. I want to bless you, and I want you to trust in that to the degree that I trust in his love, the more trust I have in that God loves me and that his grace is amazing and that his mercies are new morning by morning, to that degree, I grow in Christ. 
And so that's, we think that we have to become more spiritual by a certain, you know, aptitude, attitude, fasting and doing all these good works. And then I will someplace, I will reach this spiritual utopia. But in fact, it's quite the other way around. You begin you actually by entering in to the very top highest place of true spirituality just by trusting that God love. There's not one thing I could do to make God love me more than he already does. Is that awesome? That, you know, if you went and became, you know, the next Billy Graham and saved, you know, millions of people around the world, God wouldn't love you any more than he already does right now. You and I are pre-programmed to say that we believe in grace, but we live under the law. We say that God loves me, and yet we spend our daily lives trying to earn his love. So the real growth of spirituality is to stop that and to say, Lord, help me today to trust and to believe at the beginning of the day before I've done anything trying to earn and be a good little boy or a good little girl, but to trust in your amazing grace, that your mercies are new, that you love me, that you were with me, that you were for me, that you have good plans for me. Let me just breathe the free open air of your love. And then as you experience his spirit and, and it fills you with this joy uh, that is unspeakable and full of glory, it is that release of joy and, and just taking a, a little step of trust in letting that love and that light in that gives you the, the power and the strength and the life of his spirit to do now what is honoring to your father in heaven. But now I'm not doing it to earn his love. I already got it. He loves me. He's, he's crazy about me. <laughs> and now I serve him just because he already loves me so much and he is blessing me so much. You know, the, the early Christians were accused of being too joyful. That was one of the biggest uh, problems, those who followed them. In fact, uh, actually they were accused on the day of Pentecost of being what? Drunk. <laughs> they, they didn't really mean, what they meant by drunk was, you are like people who have drunk and forgotten their problems and are now laughing, you know, hilariously because they are no longer affected by their circumstances because the alcohol has loosened them up. It's interesting that um, places that sell alcohol will say wine and spirits because alcohol is an, a physical imitation of the Holy Spirit. You come under the influence of alcohol. How much better to come under the influence of the Holy Spirit? The sign of which is, first of all, Alcohol is a physical, you know, it comes in and helps you, you relax. You might have had crazy wild days. So you can see why people could get addicted to it. Unfortunately, it has, you know, cause and effect afterwards. And it leaves you with a hangover the next morning and the headache. And it robs you little by little of your, and saps you of your strength. And it's a replacement for the Holy Spirit. Therefore, yes, there's a similarity. The same man that is driven to alcohol to at least temporarily forget the pain of the outside world and dive into this uh, coming under the influence. Another man takes that same drive to forget what's going on in the outside and comes under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter what's going on out there because I have the Spirit of the Lord in here. And my eyes are on him. I see him. And, and literally, you come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And he, he brings rest. 
because now you're no longer the one fighting and striving. You are focused on him and you relax. You rest, you trust in him. And as we rest and his spirit comes upon us, joy fills our heart. Yes, the first Franciscans were reproved long ago. We think of Franciscans as being religious people. In their beginning, they were rebels. And one of the first accusations against the Franciscans was they laughed in church. Franciscans were known as people who went into church. And so what does that tell you about the expectation? When you go into church, you can't laugh anymore. Why would the world who's got enough you know, pain say, so I'm gonna go to a place where I can't laugh and have any joy anymore? That's what the Franciscans began to do. And the first Methodists took their hymns and they borrowed tunes from operas and even dance music and sang with the same words they worship God. Uh, the first Salvation Army people jumped for joy because General Booth, who had started the Salvation Army there in England, told them if the Spirit moves you and comes upon you and you're filled with joy, you can leap and you can jump and you can shout and you can praise the Lord. So Salvation Army people were, were known as, they give, you know, they'd be happy. Some of them had lived on the streets. Some of them had been abandoned. Some of them were orphans. Some of them got evangelized on the street and they got filled with the Spirit and they would come into church and they'd go, hallelujah! Or they'd say, amen, preacher. Or they would talk, you know, and, and other people were like, oh no, you can't do that. But in the beginning, that's how it started. It was joy, a joy that you couldn't hold back. So Jesus says, I have come as a bridegroom. John pointed to me and he said that I am the one that was to come. He is a bridegroom. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. <laughs> and how many would agree that your wedding is supposed to be the happiest time of your life, right? It's not about sadness, hopefully. <laughs> you know, it's hopefully a joyful time. Now listen to this. So Christ is our bridegroom. Two people are, should not be married just because they know each other. And nor should they become married just because they have strong feelings for one another. But marriage is when they have so fallen in love with this other person that they say to the exclusion of all the rest, you are the only man for me, you are the only woman for me. In you and you alone, I find my completion, my joy, my happiness. And not only that, but I'm not ashamed of our love. And I will now go publicly to declare my loyalty and my love to you before my family, my friends, uh, before my God in heaven and there is a commitment that is made. Well, so it is with Jesus Christ. Just knowing who Jesus is, is not enough to know him as your bridegroom. Just because you have strong feelings about Jesus is not enough. But at the moment in the time where you say, Lord, I am not ashamed that you are my Lord and Savior and that you are my heavenly bridegroom, I am in love with you. And you declared openly before the world, that's when the joy of the Lord becomes your strength, amen? Pastor Ray Bentley with good insights on God's mercy today and how ancient wedding tradition speaks of God's relationship toward us. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. And today's study is titled Beautiful Mercy. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. 
When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.